On Education is sponsored by Participate, a community learning platform where the world learns together. Later in the episode, we'll hear about one of Participate's communities, Teach the Global Goals, and how you can get involved in its free community learning opportunities with educators around the world. I guess we're going to do this. Oh, man. Big stretch. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Brad Treffler. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We talk about our attempts at work-life balance, our futures on the internet, and our guest this week is Darren Hudgens. All of the serious things. It's all the serious things. <laughs> I am, um, I'm exhausted. Um, like, I'm really, really tired and uh, on the struggle bus tonight on the struggle bus for the last week or so. Um, there is so much going on at work, Brad, for you and me. Like, I mean, um, but anyways, yeah, we're doing so many things and there's so many projects and I, I'm actually going to be traveling um, so much in November. Um, that is not actually what, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to all of it. Especially the, you know, the machinations of travel um, are pretty tough these days. Uh, so, um, but going to California, uh, multiple places in California. So if you're um, listening from California, which many of you are, as we know, um, maybe uh, there's a chance we could connect. Um, I'm not sure, but I will be in uh, Santa Monica. Uh, the beginning of November, and then Sacramento in the middle of November, and then in Montreal at the end of November. So, um, it's, it's like old times for you, back to yeah, it's be, like before all know, this stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'll be honest, I you know I like being in the cities. I like people cleaning my rooms for me <laughs> and um, cooking my meals, but uh, I, I definitely don't uh, enjoy. You know, especially right now with, you know, I got to get a COVID test before I leave. I got to get a COVID test where I am in order to come home. So that means finding a place that can do testing in a city that I don't know. Um, and ensuring that that gets done before I get on an airplane to come home. Um, yeah, I was reading one the... of the things you need to do is like schedule them in advance. Like schedule them oh, yeah. like three, four days before you know you're leaving. So you have it like knocked out yeah. and ready to go. Yeah, and I mean those tests, those non-required tests are like almost two hundred dollars each. So it's it's four hundred dollars in COVID tests just for me to get on a plane, and I'll be getting on a plane uh, six times um, in the next uh, month and a half. Um, you know, and so it'd be nice. It'd be nice if it was like. In Canada, travel like the <laughs> actually, I'm not sure I need to get a COVID test to go to Montreal. I think I just need to prove my vaccination status, which you know we finally in Ontario have a um, vaccine passport, so to speak. We um, we have a smart document with a with a QR code, and um, you can actually upload it to your Apple Wallet so that it's a wallet card. Um, so we have that now, um, on, I have that on my phone and that's, that's nice. Um, but you know, it's going to be like this for a while, man. Um, how's, how's work going for you? You know, actually I, it's, it's not bad. It's really not bad. Um, I, I was talking to my dad recently, uh, probably about two weeks ago and he asked me how work was and I said, you know what? It's actually, it's actually pretty good. He goes, that's the first time you've answered that question and didn't look like you died inside. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> that's, that's probably true. Um, you know, it's getting to a point where, um, it's somewhat manageable. It's, it's, you know, it's still a lot of hours. I mean, it's, it's nine, 10 hour days every day, which is becoming normal. And so it is what it is. And if we have football games, then Fridays are extra, extra long and stuff like that. But 
you know, it's it's becoming more manageable hours. I think I'm I'm getting close to what I would almost call a work life balance. Like I I think I'm getting to the point where my personal life is getting time and space in my life again, which is which is kind of nice. I've done a couple small carpentry projects again and getting some of the other things in my life back in the fold and the rotation. Um, and so one of the, one of the cool things that happened actually, as we're recording this, it happened yesterday, um, is it was boss's day and my guidance team that I oversee, I guess they surprised me with like a lunch and gifts and funny, kind of funny, small gifts, nothing crazy, but just cool gifts. And it was just really weird. I was, I was genuinely left speechless, which I'm not normally speechless, so that was a feat in of itself. But hmm. it's like my first time in being getting bosses day, and so it was kind of cool. I, you know, oh, I, I think they might actually like me a little bit, so that's good. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah, really, it's, really, it's really cool. It's it's good to that you're finding the space and the time to do to do the things you like to do. Um, you know, I say that reflecting on the fact that I probably haven't played a video game for more than 10 minutes in probably three days. Um, and I have and, the same two yeah, over and over and over again. Yeah, Metroid and your, your, your Beat Star. Metroid and Beat Star. Yep. Metroid, yeah. and, Metroid and Beat Star all day, every day. That's... I got I got a gold on an extreme level, and I was so excited. I, know, I sent you, you said... a text message last night at like 11 <laughs> o'clock. I took a screenshot and sent it to Mike at 11 o'clock. I was like, look at this. Oh, I this flailed so in bed. It was crazy. <laughs> That's pretty great, to be honest. I should play it a little bit more and uh, and try to catch up. Um, I, I can't imagine the uh, the. The, the the finger your, the strength of your fingers has got to be enormous at the moment. Uh, I got skills. I got skills that are got only some... useful in a very small amount of situations. But I've got you got, them. You got some thumb skills, friend. You got some <laughs> thumb skills. So so that's great. I actually had to back out of a project um, today. Actually, that I was really excited about being involved in um, uh, for a bunch of reasons. Um, but, um, yeah, no, you got to find space for yourself and especially when, so, so not to get too like deep, but this is a good lesson for, especially educators that like to do like side things is that your labor still has value. Um, no matter, and I've talked about, we've talked about this on the podcast. I, 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 it took me a year to convince Glenn about like not giving away your labor for free, your labor your knowledge, your experience has value and never, ever, teachers, let anyone tell you that you should work for free because of the kids or or whatever. Don't let people guilt you into um, giving your experience, knowledge, passion and time and energy um, for, for nothing. And that's um, kind of what was, um, you know, being done to me a little bit. Um, and I was like, nah, I'm out. I don't, this is not something I have the energy for. Um, you know, and, and, and so, you know, um, I got to save space. Um, so I'm trying to remind myself of that. I think that's um, like, you know, I, before we, I know, I know we want to move on, but I, I want to say like, I think along that same line, in my like there should in my opinion there should be a dollar amount that your time is worth in your head for me at least like for me it is there is for me yeah i i have the dollar amount that i will say okay if this is going to take me x hours i need to make this amount of money um and so i and i think that's an important important thing to 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 consider because it's easy to say oh well my time has value i'm going to go give them an entire saturday and get a free lunch like, okay, I might do that for a friend who I've known for years and, you know, we share a drink with, but I'm not going to do that for somebody that needs help with education or teachers or, yeah. or student support. Like, I, I get, I do love kids and I do this for kids, absolutely, but my time does have value. And there's always, you know, basic principle of, of, of economics and business is there's a cost to everything. So yeah. if I'm choosing to work, even if it's free or even if it's for $500 an hour, 
on one thing, that is, there's an opportunity cost of me not doing something else. That hour is one less hour I'm with my son, one less hour I'm playing a video game, one less hour I'm reading or listening to a podcast or whatever it is I want to do. That hour has value to me, and so it should be valued by someone else. And I think that it's, it's important that you have a dollar amount in your head that your time is worth. Yeah, I mean, I might help my buddy move his house for a case of beer and, you know, a pizza, um, as the the old, you know, mm-hmm. trope would go. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to give an ed tech company, um, um, you know, my, for, especially a for-profit company, my, my time and energy and experience uh, for free. Um, it's, it's worth something. And I get paid and I've gotten paid um sometimes lots of money so i mean i'm not going to give it away for free um and you shouldn't either so uh please teachers if you're doing side hustles um you know all the power to you i i you know your knowledge and experience is valuable it's you know in my role at paper um i'm i'm talking to educators and 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 talking about how to utilize their influence and their knowledge and expertise all the time, um, and about to have some really good conversations with a lot of people that everyone knows, even uh, about this. So, um, but that 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 experience and that insight and that knowledge that I'm going to get from them isn't free, uh, and it shouldn't be. Like it's it's stuff they've worked hard to achieve. And um, that has a monetary value, and, and you have to respect that. Um, you know, speaking of saving space and energy, um, this is a this is a hard topic, a weird topic, and you know, I think something that you know, if you've been listening, especially the last couple months, you've probably seen coming. So I'm just going to get right out and say it that um, Brad and I have decided to wrap up on education. Um, you know, 200 and episode 209 is what we're at now. So we'll probably do four more till the end of November. That is when our, um, con- like, like, to be fair, that's when our contract um, as, a, um, you know, with participate as our sponsor is over. Um, and it's, uh, it's been a really hard two months. Um, when, when you lose... Um, a, a, you know, someone that you relied on to do a critical part of, you know, what we're doing here. And then all of that work and effort has to be brought on to people who, do, first off, don't do it um, all the time. And then don't, um, um, don't, you know, have it built into their lives and their schedules to do. Um, it gets what you've gotten in the last two months, which is uh, pretty erratic release dates. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Um, definitely some missed episodes uh, or certainly late episodes because we've had to push them um, because of calendars. Canceled um, interviews. Can- canceled interviews for a lot of different reasons. Um, and it's it's become very, very difficult. And it, 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 after November, um, you know, we're, we're going to wrap it up, but, but we're going to wrap it up properly um, instead of just kind of, you know, when... You know, and this has a lot to do with Glenn, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Um, in the sense that when Glenn left, you know, part of me wanted to just wrap it up. Um, I was emotional about it. I was drained. Um, I was sad, even. Um, and um, some of those emotions um, persist for sure. Um, but. You know, I did want to, I think, do the right thing, um, which was to honor the, you know, the trust that Mark Otter and Participate had placed in us to, to share some of their message. Um, and I, I, I thought, I think we agreed, you know, after having a couple conversations that the if we were going to end it, first off, we gave ourselves a date, right? End of October. We said, we got to, we got to decide the life of on education, whether it continues or not, we're going to decide by the end of October. Um, and then it came down to how we want to end it. And we wanted to end it the right way um, instead of kind of cold turkey. Um, so we're going to, we're going to think through how to do that. 
Um, and I will also say that there is the slight chance that something may rise out of the ashes. Um, I'm not promising that yet. Um, it, it does take a... Um, it's going to take even just to like... Well, I mean, let's totally transparent. <laughs> um, we've started a brainstorming document for a different project and it has not even like been contributed to yet. And the brainstorming document is over a, almost a week old. So the reality is, is that if we can't get together on, you know, this brainstorming document, then it's clear that we don't, A, want to do it, um, bad enough anyways, um, and, and B, just don't have the time and the energy and the space to do it. And I think that, um, so we will see what happens with this other project. It is a fascinating and exciting project. Uh, people would really enjoy it. Um, but um, anyways, I'll let, I, I think I've said what I needed to say. Feel free to, to say things, Brad, you should. Yeah, you know, um, you and I have talked about this pretty extensively since uh, since Glenn left and, and gone back and forth a, a lot about what this looks like and have been, I, as we always are, but just very open and honest with each other about how much of a struggle this has been, not not only with time, but I, I've, you know, with just the mental space to be able to do this. You know, we, we record typically on Monday nights and we get done with a Monday working many, many hours, multiple projects, and then we have to be ready to record at eight o'clock and I'm missing story time with my son and, and you're, you're, you've got your family and like it, there's just so many things stacked on each other that it, it is becoming increasingly difficult. And, you know, the, the whole point of bringing me on the show to begin with, I feel like was, was twofold. It was yes, to bring a different voice, you know, like we and I talked about to bring something new to the show, but also having three of us meant we could lighten the load on everybody. And then when that didn't happen, it just, it became more of a commitment and it didn't. It, it, do it doubled the load on yeah. the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> so. And so it, instead of reducing the load, it became a lot more. And so it, you know, and, and Glenn made the choice he needed to make for himself and, and it is what it is. And it, it just means this is the position we are in where, like you said, episode releases have been erratic. You and I you know, have been trading off doing the editing and, even though I did edit my own podcast for years and I, and I can do it, it's just finding the space. That's the reason I had stepped away from my own podcast for a while. So it is, it is a challenge. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned, this potential project, the brainstorming idea you and I have come up with, one of the things that has caused that is you and I have both talked about this and, and we talked to Audrey about this the other day, but we kind of both have the same sentiment. It's, the moments leading up to it's the day of so Monday we record and it is it is a miserable point in my calendar for me up until eight o'clock when we start <laughs> to record it is just this moment of God I've got to go get outline notes done I got to find time to just at least look at it or examine the book that the person wrote or figure out who our guest is and yeah it's or... been tough because the interview since basically you started. All of our interviews have been this like great partnership with ISTE, but it means there's a book involved in this. Yeah, and <laughs> and so you know it's this moment, it's this it's this anxiety building thing all the way up until eight o'clock. Yeah, and, and then eight o'clock comes, and I turn on Squadcast and I see you and I see our guest and. You and I start chatting, goofing off, and our guests are usually just wondering to themselves what the heck they are doing with their hour <laughs> on Monday night because you and I are riffing back and forth for 10, 15 minutes. And then we get done and we record the main with you and I chatting and we get done recording on Monday night. And at the end of Monday night, I feel awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. I loved yeah. it. I, I'm, I'm re-energized. And then by Tuesday, I'm not energized because I realize I have to edit or you have to edit. But like, there's this, it's this ebb and flow up and down. And I, and I, I think the takeaway for me is, and I think you agree with this, but I'm not done putting my voice out there on the internet for sure, whether it is this project that you and I are talking about, part of which is designed to reduce that workload, right? Like it, involves a third, of, it involves a third person. It involves a third person. The structure <laughs> of the possible project doesn't require as much work as what we do currently. So that's right. That's been a built real consideration in a future project. It will be a future con uh, consideration in whatever project you or I and or I end up in. And, you know, so it, that is a real huge part of it is is the balance of 
getting our own lives in order, getting our own space for our own selves, for our families, for our jobs, for the things we really have to do every day. And as much as we love to do this, there's a lot of work to get to that love. And and I I just, we don't, we don't have the time. Seriously, Grant? That's when you had to bark and run away? Okay, fine. My dog decided to interrupt the show. Uh, But we just don't have the time or space to, to, to do this right at this time and i and i think this is the right move and i i i'm imagining i'm i'm oddly imagining myself like four months ago listening to this like listening to you and glenn say this is the on of edu- on end of on education and being i can imagine my like sadness and and irritation because i didn't make any secret i'm a huge fan of this show and so to to see it go is super super sad and it feels like it was handed to me just for me to kill it a little bit but um it wasn't my fault i promise and so here we are you know it's it's i don't know it's a lot of emotion i think that's that's the end of it is it's a lot of emotion a lot of thoughts and they're all kind of jumbled yeah i i mean i'm i'm sort of talking myself through it a little bit you know when i when i think about it and obviously um a lot of doors have been opened up to me um because of on education um, I took advantage of a lot of doors that were opened up to me um, and capitalized on opportunities um, when I could. And um, that has, uh, you know, changed my life. This podcast changed my life, like legit, full out. Um, I would not be doing what I'm doing now, uh, where I am, if it was not for on education. Um, so... You know, um, but every everything has a season. Um, and, um, you know, I can potentially see this, you know, mysterious new project being a really great, special thing. I see it in my head. Um, but it does require a team and it does require teamwork. And it does require at least um, initially, you know, a some dedication to, to do the brainstorming and ideation. Um, to be honest, the workload has been specially designed to be fairly low. Um, and, um, you know, at a time that is not Monday night at 8 o'clock when you're ready to go to bed. Um, because Mondays kill you. Um, so, so there is a lot to be excited about with the idea, um, I, uh, part of me, you know, it, it's so funny too. Um, part of me doesn't want it to happen because, you know, it's still work and it's still a thing. Um, but you know, I do think of the idea and how it aligns to, uh, I think I can speak like it aligns to both of our passions, uh, very strongly and the third person's passions as well. Intent. Um, Think about it, what we talk about all the time on the show. It would be it would be very aligned. You would get a really. I think you would get a really interesting conversation. Um, um, that uh, would be a lot of fun. So um, we will see what happens. But um, but we can say that you know on education as a podcast will be coming to an end at the end of November. Um, and and that will be that. Um, that being said, uh, before we go, we do have one thing to share, and that's that next week. Um, you know, we're not leaving yet, but there <laughs> won't be a podcast next week. Interestingly enough, um, you know, and this is totally coincidental because actually we did not decide to share what we just shared until <laughs> till fifteen minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but but we are going to stream. Um, we're going to do a live stream. Um, Knowing us, it'll probably be in the past by the time this releases. It might be in the past. (laughs) It is entirely possible that this is in the past. Um, But streaming uh, with John Spike and Steve Isaacs, um, John's game, uh, Game Stormers, we talked about it in the last episode. Um, It is a board game about making board games. Um, it, there is a new version that no one has played yet. Yeah, he we will be he the just first... teased us with that tonight. I'm, I'm right. all excited. So we will be the first person to play his new version. Um, and uh, we will be doing it live on um, John's 
stream, which is where you should totally go watch it. And I will probably stream it on my live um, Twitch channel as well, uh, in case you needed uh, another place to go. But you should watch it on John's for sure. Um, so we will be doing that, and we're excited about that. And we, depending on how the audio works out, and how like um, how listenable it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we may we may just push it out there um, as an episode. But um, anyways, we will see. So there we are. All of the things. Let's just point out again how excited we are about live streaming with John. Because I don't want to I want to end on a positive. Like it's gonna be so much fun. I'm so excited. It is gonna be so much fun. John is, you know, awesome and funny and entertaining and very And smart. Steve Isaacs will be there, which means he got his obligatory mission uh, mention this episode. So that's right? good. We name we name uh we we name checked Steve Isaacs um as we are contractually obligated to do. Um, so check that box off the podcast bingo card as well. <laughs> and, uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking to, um, the author of developing digital detectives, Darren Hudgens. So stay with us. It is like a spider web. These diverse interconnected spaces help and inspire us to understand empathize, and take local action in our schools. That's Yahaira Guedes, a facilitator within the Teach the Global Goals community on Participate. The community is home to hundreds of resources, courses, and educators around the world, collaborating on how to bring the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals into the classroom. With our students, and as a collective to be a powerful force to achieve the vision of a more peaceful, healthy, and equitable world. We'll hear more later in the episode from another community facilitator on why you should get involved. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our, our guest is a former nonprofit director and now consultant and speaker on media literacy and social emotional learning and school leadership among no i'm gonna reread that and i'm not gonna tilt my neck while i'm doing it because uh, it's not working for me here we go let's put it all on one screen yeah, We're you, gonna tilting, all... you tilting your neck was really messing I, up the audio tilting. Mike. good well, job it's because i'm like trying to speak into the mic because it's a little bit further away than it used to be and by the, the way that's the tease just for the record it's, uh... it's, i'm, I'm gonna re-record that because tilting my neck is not working for me <laughs> all right <clears throat> oh god I'm going to put this on this screen. I have three monitors, so that's that's my... Oh, you poor baby. You're struggling yeah, so first, much. First, first world problems. <clears throat> All right. Try it again. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest is a former nonprofit director and now consultant and speaker on media literacy, social emotional learning, and school leadership. Along with former guest Jennifer Lagarde, he is the co-author of two books, Fact versus Fiction, which we've talked about before, and the newly released Developing Digital Detectives, Essential Lessons for Discerning Fact from Fiction in the Fake News Era, uh, right in our wheelhouse. Welcome to On Education, Darren Hudgens. Thank you. It's a really, really exciting to be here. Um, I, you may have missed one part in there. I also was an educator for uh, 11 years in the classroom. There you go. So. Well, we like we like the teachers, so Absolutely. so it's great. And obviously, that uh, you can you can actually it's funny you can actually tell because you know this book is full of lesson plans, um, yeah. and, and they're really they're really quite great. Um, so so speaking about the book, I appreciate that you start off the book with the fiction that dominates discourse in America right now, basically. Mm -hmm. um, the, the results of the 2020 election and the insurrection on January 6th. Um, I don't know when you were writing this book, but I don't know if... You, you may want to even tell that story because you, I'm sure mm -hmm. you had to add that in, in there. Um, and because of how pertinent it is to your mm -hmm. topic, um, and maybe I'm giving you the answer because my question is, you know, what... What caused you, I guess maybe even if you're rewriting, to rewrite to add that in, or what caused you to lead with that? Well, it's interesting. This, um, 
Well, first of all, again, I, I never say thanks. Thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. Um, I wish my co-author could be here with us, but um, the, the with regards to the book, so so you mentioned fact versus fiction. We we wrote fact versus fiction. We started in 2016, finished it in 2018. You know, we both do a lot of uh, different kinds of work, and this is a, a, a passion thing for us. Um, but it was kind of this uh, the the what. Uh, and uh, the why we need to do this work, why we need to dive into mis, dis, and malinformation. At that, at that point, we were really staying with the narrative, political football narrative of uh, fake news, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But um, really, since that book came out and, and all the different work that we had done with, in different states, with different uh, educators, with administrators on down the line, it really came that like, okay, we get you, like we know, we. we you laid out why, you laid out what, and you gave us some links and resources to places we could go, but we really want to know how. And so coming back to your you know, uh, comment of, well, how did we write this? Well, we really started with the, the, the lesson plan piece. So like the how do we do this? How do we teach it? Um, we could talk about the lenses later and all those kinds of things. And then we actually came back and uh, added the introduction, did some things about, uh, there's always questions, how do you teach this stuff to K through two kids, you know, the littles as we call them. Um, and so we kind of like reverse engineered it, you know, you know begin with the end in mind. That, that's kind of how we did it. What that means is, is we had not finished the, the, the introduction, the first part of the book um, until after the insurrection. Um, and so it, it, it was like, this is such a momentous piece. Now, granted, we were saying, well, I wish this book was coming out like the day after that happened. But right. at the same time, it, you know, it, this has become such a political thing. Um, and the, the tribalism and the ideologies and all these kinds of things that, that we toss back and forth. And, and that's part of the problem. But one thing that, that, that that was really clear with with the um, with the forget about the end of the political spectrums right the reactionaries and the the radicals majority of people no matter what aisle they were on were mortified with what happened there um, and so there was a concern about like we don't want to jump in to make this a political issue but this was such a, a point like is this the breaking point is this the gap is it you know where are we headed from here. Um, is it just the beginning? Like, like there's all of these things. And so we wanted to start there and say, you know, kind of how did we get there? And then what can we do going into the future? Not to discuss politics particularly, because we're talking about kids here. Um, we have to have those critical debates. I'm a former social studies teacher. We need to talk yeah. about that stuff. But how do we get to the root of how all these things happen? Um, and that the truth matters. And, and you know, again, I could, we, we had these core beliefs, um, that, that facts do matter, that, that there aren't two sides to, to every debate. Not everybody earns the right to a critical debate if you're making up stuff that isn't, um, you know, like, a, a, for example, like if you believe the Earth's flat, you're not going to get up to, uh, we're not going to be able to have a critical debate. Um, that disinformation is a human problem. That was another one of our core values that like we've created this thing, which means we can do something about it. Um, and the fact is we need people uh, we need digital detectives, which is kind of where the name came from, to parse through so we don't get to things like that, um, so we can still have these conversations. So I could go in a bunch of directions. I threw out a lot there, but but the reality is the the introduction, we already had the core values. The introduction wrote itself. <laughs> it, it's funny. I, I remember having, so I was the computer science teacher when I was in the classroom, but um, my students definitely knew that I was like, First off, they knew I was a history major. They knew I was really in tune with, you know, politics and, mm -hmm. and and stuff like that as well. And so there was always a lot of like, Mr. Washburn, can you tell us what the heck is going on around here right now mm -hmm. kind of thing mm -hmm. um, in my class. They always waited because they knew I'd have a hot take yep. on it and, and, um, and stuff like that. And it's funny because I used to talk and, and I love, um, I love your insight into tackling like these, these, these core concepts. Um, mm -hmm. The idea, like, for example, um, I used to talk, or, or I remember really well a, a talk that I had with my kids 
about balance, especially media's balance and the mm-hmm. the tendency of the media to play both sides of a of a narrative, and that that's ridiculous. That there's there's not balance in some ways, like 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 you're the necessity to take the other side's position, no matter how ridiculous it is, and prop it up as if it is a a valid at equal level position with another position um, is is actually dangerous to the the narrative, and it kind of blew kids' heads off. Like they couldn't they they were you know and they were older in grade eight and and kind of but they were still it's a it struggle to wrap their heads around concepts like balance and like um like these other you know analyzing media from a critical perspective and um you know even things like advertising i used to talk about advertising a lot and how um ads are focused on on um getting you to buy things and even you know social media with the red number one you know that's intentional Mm -hmm. it's 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 there for a reason and it's red for a reason and you know um that that has a lot to do with um the pervasiveness of your you know of, of the way it's designed um you know i don't know where you want to go there but t- let's talk about to talk about how you teach those like ridiculously heavy concepts concepts you know, that most to, adults don't seem to understand right now yeah <laughs> right to, to young, especially young especially all are, of our uncles none of our yes. uncles get this at yeah all. it's the uncle yes. at thanksgiving right um you know the Florida man, uh, which we're going to get to, I'm sure. In a hey, minute. hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, let's let's speak to that a little bit, because I think that that's super interesting. Well, um, I mean, there's so many ways to unpack that. You, you, you touched on a couple things. For, first of all, um, we talked a little bit about this in fact versus fiction. But one of the, the real pieces here um, is the erosion of. Um, us wanting and being interested in paying for news. And, uh, you know, it used to be there was a, a basically a firewall between the two. You had ad uh, agencies that their job was to make money um, for the newspaper, for the news industry, those kinds of things. And then on the other side of that, uh, you you had, you know, paid journalists that their job was not to, was to search for the facts for to, to sift through the evidence, to find out the, the, the suspects or the perpetrators, like w- whatever that particular thing was. And um, we have begun to, uh, I mean, it's, it's been a slow drip, but I mean, even back to your yellow journalism, things like that, uh, we began to uh, erode away at those. And so what ended up happening is, is a lot of the tricks that journalists use to tell a story, um, a lot of the ways they built a narrative, the ad agencies, the folks that are spreading mis, dis, and malinformation are using those techniques against us to the very point that I think Brad talked about, which is it triggers us, right? It, it plays into our amygdala. It plays into our lizard brain, which is that fight or flight thing. And if I can get you to be emotional about something. If I can get you to click on something, I can I can manipulate you, right? I have the ability. And, and the more uh, data that we end up having and the more data that we end up getting from folks, uh, you can build an even bigger profile of a, what does Mike want? What does Brad want? And then we can feed them those things. And then we can again, manipulate them to the same kind of thing buy things, right? Purchase things, make money, uh, add to our revenue, whatever it is. The problem is what, what wasn't there back in yellow journalism days, what wasn't there in the, the king of what, five you know, channels or four channels is just the mass amount of, of you know, then cable and now really social media and these devices in our pockets. So my point in, in getting into that, that the, the big picture of all of it is now the what we haven't done um, is we haven't done a great job of teaching people social emotional skills, which is a big piece that's uh, tied to this book about what triggers us. Are we triggered? And if we are triggered, how do we get people to push pause and actually do the critical thinking, do the uh the, the, the deep thinking that it takes rather than just say, hey, 
Mike sent it to me. It must be true. Therefore, I'm going to forward it on to people. And maybe you were busy playing video games. Maybe you were busy doing your job. You saw the headline. It triggered you in a positive way. You think, this is great. I'm going to shift it off to Brad. Brad's going to send it to Darren. And it scales and multiplier effect and all those kinds of things. So we spend a large part of the book um, at the beginning, before we get to the lessons of how can we work with kids and, and, and to your point, Brad, how can we work with adults? Um, we don't do that directly, but we're hoping this this might happen. How do we get them to understand the, the, the clickbait, the triggers, the, the people that are trolling you, um, maybe even some cases, the nuance of satire and parody, um, and not take those as just truth or your ability to then take motivated reasoning and make it into whatever story you want, which is, you know, that, that narrative. So again, lot there. Uh, I don't know. Do you feel like I got to your point? I mean, I can I can get into more <laughs> things, but 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 that's the that's the big picture. This is Ava Gay Blackford, another facilitator within the Teach SDGs community. I believe that education is the most powerful force to encourage human rights and dignity, to wipe out poverty and strengthen sustainability, to build a better future for all. I think others should join this community because it creates a support network for members and serves as a global gathering place for teachers to share stories and support one another as we all figure out what learning looks like during the current global pandemic. To access hundreds of resources about the global goals and to connect with almost 1,000 educators around the world, join the free Teach the Global Goals community. Visit go.participate.com slash global goals to get started. Uh, so I, I have a question. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily have a perfect way to phrase this question, but okay. I, I'm, I'm putting it out there because what you're talking about is sort of idyllic. We need people to understand all this stuff. And I, and I said semi-jokingly that all of yeah. our uncles out of Georgia don't understand this, so why can we expect our kids to? But in all seriousness... Sure. Uh, with highly intelligent people who I work with on a daily basis, yeah. who teach other kids, the idea of connecting all these dots and making all mm -hmm. making the realization that all these things are are feeding each other and that they are intentionally triggering emotions with things like news stories and that you know I don't, I'm trying to really hard to avoid getting super political, but that the right wing Republicans who are a minority of our country are now in full control of the media ecosystem because of Fox News and the other. Uh, but anyways, I digress. My point is. That there, there's all these pieces and, and things in place that most adults are not recognizing all of the influences that are happening. So how do you boil it down in a way that, I mean, like you said, there's examples here for littles, but all the way to, you know, middle school and high school. How do you make all that happen in a way that's meaningful, but also gets learning across? Well, so what, what we've done, um, again, in, in, in the, the, um, the idea or the concept of um, developing digital detectives is getting a framework for educators to start having conversations with their uh, children um, in their classrooms about uh, these, um, these topics without going right into Let's talk about Fox News. Let's talk about CNN. Let's talk about MSNBC. Let's talk about everything on the, the spectrum because most kids don't they, they don't watch the news. They hear what comes from either their parents. Uh, they may get things that come out of magazines or things like that. But most of them are really on social media. They're on uh, all kinds of different apps and they're getting their information coming to them from their friends, from their uh, filter bubbles that they're in, you know, like depending on those types of things. So rather than getting the, into what we're talking about, which is really adult learning, uh, what we try to do is get them to understand um, through four different lenses. One of them I already talked about, which is triggers, which is really understanding emotional response. When you read something, when you see something, how does it make you feel? Not necessarily what you think, but how does it make you feel and why? The second one is, is getting them to understand that that, that next lens is, is access. And What's different between how we used to teach information literacy and media literacy is it 
didn't have these devices in our pocket, right? You could get them on a website like like we always talk about the the Northwest Tree Octopus. You guys remember that one from twenty five years ago? People used to use it. Uh, it's it's you know made up uh, octopus. It's a website. Uh, it was all these things. People would go there and they would say, "See, look, stuff on the internet is fake." Well, that was 25 years ago. We didn't have the iPhone, but we had these checklists that if you go through and you check the domain and you look at these things and you do all that, well, the internet's changed dramatically and the, the power of these devices and things coming to you in your pocket changes and, and influences the ability of how we can parse credibility. The second part I've already talked about, which is you guys influence what I like or what I comment on. And that goes back to those tribes, which you're talking about is, so if we can start teaching kids to understand that community reading experience, which we talk about in the book, when, when, when you tune into those channels that you spoke about, they are feeding into those triggers, what you like, what you believe, telling you what you wanna hear, what you don't wanna hear on down the line. We have to start at some level with kids to get them to begin to think about those things. What are you consuming and how does it impact you? And so, so that's like the, the first two, and we don't have to do these in order, but this is kind of how we present them in the book. That the first two are like, kids can control this. Even adults, as you talked about, could control this if they're willing to take off some of the layers that they built up over time and break it down to you know, how people influence them and what triggers them. So then the second part is then that outside uh, influence, which is uh, we talk about forensics, which is really, you know, this, this is all about being a detective, right? Well, detectives don't just go to one place and then go, oh, okay, well, this must be, I, I've solved it all because they told me so. They actually have to follow the clues of that information. Well, to your point, Brad, if you don't actually follow the clue, if you don't actually look at it, it just affirms your belief and you pass it along, you never really look to see if anything's true. So you've got to try to push them to be more, again, critical consumers and think deeply. And then you have to also look, well, um, as things come in on those devices, if I see them on a website on my laptop, they don't always look the same as they would on an app on social media, on your phone, or they don't uh, TikTok. It doesn't look the same, right? Um, those kinds of things. And so then how do you begin to, to look for clues in, in other ways there? And then finally, the last lens that we have them go through, which is also playing into a little bit of what you talked about is motives. And so we spend, uh, we actually have a mug book in there where we have all kinds of different individuals um, that we, you know, all kinds of actors that play a role in pushing out this particular information yeah. some of that can be you know very simple stuff like you guys like trolls uh you know or bots or uh, you know clickbait like stuff that we hear about all the time but it might also be a blue liar or it might be the stan or it might be a century like 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 there's other individuals out there pushing out mis dis and malinformation that we don't always hear about or know about or Again, to your point, Brad, we don't get deeply in there uh, or into into sussing them out. If we can begin teaching kids that these kinds of nefarious folks are out there, if uh, people have these particular motives, these particular ideas, if we get them to understand that you know that their mobile device impacts how they consume media, the people um, that they like and share, how the devices are made and then finding those triggers, then we think we can begin to create that critical process that we hope when they get to be adults, that they actually um, uh, will we'll be able to parse credibility a little bit better um, and not maybe follow conspiracy theory, which I think is what you were alluding to. Yeah, so so, so Darren, I'm, I'm exhausted <laughs> um, <laughs> for lack of better words. Um, you know, there was the American, uh, uh, you know, well, first off, there was 2016 and the, the, you know, four years of nightmare that followed. And then there was, you know, the 2020 election. And then we just, I, I'm, I'm in Canada. We just had a national election up here mm -hmm. in Canada. We have a provincial election coming up in uh, a year. 
Um, and then, you know, the, the U.S. midterms and then 20 people are already yep. talking about 2024. I'm freaking tired, Darren. Yep. And the the fake news, the world of fake news just doesn't seem to stop. Um, you know, during Factor Fiction, it was it was Trump and immigrants and so on and, and all of that stuff. And now it's masks and vaccines and mm-hmm. um, and, you Which know, black lives still Trump's and immigrants. just Right. Talk, but... And Black Lives Matter and Antifa and QAnon. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone is just burnt out. And our kids, I, you know, and I know you know this, our kids are watching um, my five-year-old son because he hears my wife and I talk about it knows that Trump is the bad guy um and said literally said that just the other day Trump's the bad guy right and I'm like yeah Trump's the bad guy buddy and it's like and and my my 13-year-old son is obviously acutely aware of you know the the nonsense and how crazy it is and so you know you have kids that are are, are are scared because their parents are scared and kids that are tired because their parents are tired and, and when they hear the news or overhear the news or overhear their parents talking about the news, it's it's existential dread sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I mean we haven't even talked about you know, the environment, right? Like yep. we just talk like all of that nonsense I just said was politics. Yep. Right? We we haven't even talked about the environment and, and all of that. But you know, and then and then you got teachers who are also, Darren, really freaking tired right now. Like they're exhausted and they're, 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 they're barely for like, like legitimately staying alive. Like in some cases, depending on where, where you live, they are barely staying alive where they work. And, you know, so then to have to confront this, to feel obligated as they should, I mean, maybe that's part of the question is like this just is this is a lot and it's a lot for teachers to have to 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 kind of handle and teach and obviously it's systemic because parents aren't doing it in some cases um you know how do you how do you convince teachers to teach this stuff and how do you make it easy and and how do you have them do it without scaring the absolute shit out of their students and you know, also feeling like, oh my God, the, it's it's all crashing down on me as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a big there, question. A I get you, it, but oh my God, like yeah. it's all serious. There, there's a lot you you said there, and we could unpack a bunch of different things. I mean, one of the first things is 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 Jennifer and I believe, honestly, all those things you listed, politics, uh, human made climate change. Uh, you, you, you know the, the 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 continuing channels the you know we barely talked about the pandemic and all the mis dis and malinformation there <laughs> right. like like all of these things are exhausting um but we believe that the link to all of those things like the the thing that's making us exhausted is the fact that we haven't spent time on thinking about media literacy, information literacy, how do we consume it, how it impacts us, this continuous thing that keeps coming down the pipe. And if we don't start teaching it somewhere, then it's not going to change because what they're attacking, what they're going after, what they're trying to get is, again, these primal uh, uh, urges. Like, you know, humans are, we also say this a lot, humans are incredibly predictable. Like we keep adding all this technology, we keep going, but we understand what humans get triggered by. We understand, we sure uh, you, you know, the, everybody here is, well, I shouldn't say everybody, folks that have, as you talked about, your kids are consumed about their future. I mean, that's why I got involved with this several years ago, because I was looking at my two sons and going, what is truth? If we don't, if we don't talk about this and we don't start coming up with strategies of how to address it, how are we going to... Uh, you know, have truth, um, yeah. and, and what are we going to do? And and then another point that that we really brought out that um, we've changed, and and the only part you will see, and we actually talk about it in the introduction, is uh, we went it got in a hot debate about what to title this book, and we uh, 
desperately did not want to add the term fake news uh, to this book. But our um, publisher and editors, we went through it that, it, you know, was a tie between fact versus fiction. Um, and we have come to believe, and that's why we put it in quote marks, is that fake news has now become political football. I mean, it is the term to dismiss anything that they don't like. So, for example, if somebody's listening to this you know, and you, uh, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you, you know, you said Trump is the bad guy. Well, then mm. immediately this podcast is fake news done. I'm not going to listen anymore uh, if I was even listening to it before. And I'm gone and I'm moving on. Um, it's, <laughs> listen, it's, if it's, that it's, offended you, you have stopped listening to this show 208 episodes ago. <laughs> and, it's probably, and, it's, and it's probably true, Brad, but, but the reality is, is that those we toss out these, let's not have a discussion about it. Let's not talk about it. Let's not go anywhere. Um, and we can't do that with kids. We have to have, I mean, again, uh, depending on where you are in the spectrum, uh, you know, people thought Ronald Reagan was the greatest president in the history of the world. And people thought he was the devil. And then you, you know, move on to Bill Clinton. And it's the same thing. Everybody thought he was the greatest thing. Oh, he balanced the budget. Oh, but then there was this other thing. And then, you know, again, we moved on and we thought, you know, you got Bush, you got Obama, we go back and forth on all these things. And it's just become this political spectrum. They want your attention. They want your money. And if, again, I don't think kids can completely conceptualize that other than mom and dad are for X and mom and dad are for Y. They don't really understand, well, why is that? And we need to get into the conversations of how that is. So all that being said, what we built first and what we did at the end of the book was create lessons or what we really are, they're mysteries for kids to solve that, um, that are in a, not a political space, right? There's stuff that we thought at those particular ages that they would be able be interested in and want to solve the mystery. And so, uh, we give them, you know, we give the, the, the teachers, the, the people that would be putting these things out, not only these particular mysteries, but then we also um, have attached with this book what we call the evidence locker, which is something tied to all of these chapters where there's, you know, many lessons. Uh, there, there, there's pieces of this uh, of these, uh, excuse me, these these mysteries. And then we give them. Um, a case file that goes with it. And so there's all kinds of information that is like background things that might go to them solving the mystery. We'd ask them ahead of time based on this headline, based on what you read. Do you think this is, you know, this is true or not? And then give them information to start beginning that process of being a detective. Now, obviously, in the end, we give the teacher um, resources to then say, okay, well, this is what it is. Uh, this is fact or this is fiction and here's the reasons why and, and and be able to again go through that detective process we don't jump into politics in this book and the reason is is because um, we don't think developmentally some of the kids are ready for it and number two um, there's always going you're, you're going to trigger folks right out of the shoot and they're not going to be interested in teaching them anything and not having any kind of critical debate and if that's the case we've already lost them and we're going to get to where, you know, in some of the cases, some of our folks are today. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, uh, Darren, I, I hope, uh, you know, people check out the book and, and look at the, the ways to incorporate this into their classrooms. Um, if people want to look out, reach out to you or uh, to, to Jennifer or get a hold of the book, where can they uh, find you guys? Well, um, we have all kinds of, of, of different spaces. If you look on Twitter, uh, she's library girl on Twitter, Jennifer Lagarde. I'm D Hudgens, H U D G I N S on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, obviously, um, the books are, uh, wherever books are sold. Um, you know, there you can find fact versus fiction or developing digital detectives. Um, there, you know, it, we're, we're, we're pretty prevalent in, in putting out our information, letting people know, um, what we do and how we do it. Um, and we're, like I said, I, I, I feel like we've, we've gone all over the gamut on different things today. Uh, but 
we, we really are passionate. We do believe that this is some of the most important work that, that educators can do. Um, and, and I also do think um, even for, for parents, it might be an interesting avenue for them to look at about how do you have some of those conversations with your kids. Um, again, we spent a lot of time talking about the, the, the social emotional pieces, um, how to ask questions about certain things, unpack that. And so um, it might help them uh, as well. So um, awesome. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, Darren Hudgens, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the yep. podcast. Absolutely. You too. I really appreciate you having me and um, having such a, a spirited conversation. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Brad Treffler. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Brad Shruffler. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you would share it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.